I say that's. Let me know. Is there like a certain uh, distance from the microphone? It should be. You should be good from right, right there. Perfect. Perfect. The way you're talking before, perfect. Oh yeah, fuck it. I'm loud, so I'll be like, if we'll I lean good, back, man. I'll just scream more. We'll be good. Alrighty. Okay, okay, okay. Versatile vigilante, young Vince, Uncle Vinny, and I got my Greek brother in the building, man. Fucking, I, I say introduce yourself. I, I, I can't. I, you, though it's Dimitri Apostolos, Apostolos Films. I'm here with my cousin Vinny. Fucking versatile vigilante, man. Fucking my guy. That's all I got to say, man. Fire First, intro. Cheers. cheers to you, man. Cheers, man. Very excited to get that to get this conversation going, bro. We were talking a little bit before we even just started. I love talking to filmers, man, photographers, videographers, because you guys see everything. So I think we're yeah. gonna have a banger today, man. <laughs> there might be some secrets exposed tonight, a hundred percent. I'm especially when I'm liquored up. Like, it's just what it is. You're gonna hear some shit. It's probably public knowledge already, but I'm just gonna be. I will be just another person to confirm it. Hopefully. There we go. Just confirming Perfect. or denying. That's Perfect all. Confirming denying. Yes. That's awesome, it. bro. So, yeah, I want to learn a little bit more about before you even got into the game. Are you born and raised in Toronto? Talk a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So basically, yeah, I'm born. I'm born and raised in. I can't say Toronto. Uh, within the GTA. Um, basically, yeah. I I, I mainly just like did my stuff within like Vaughn, Brampton, Mississauga. Like that's where like I guess my beginning sort of started. But more or less, like I've been, I'm I'm a huge film nerd. So like like man, more specifically like grindhouse movies, uh, horror, like like epic war movies. Not like three hundred, cause like it's epic, but it's like that. Those aren't the type. Like I'm talking about like Saving Private Ryan, maybe even Troy. Like something that has more grounds of realism. And I just love history. So it's like it's it's weird how it all, how it all became what what it's becoming now. So like where the passion started from at least. That makes sense, bro. Especially, I don't know, you're Greek descent, correct? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure your parents probably talked about your culture to you a lot growing up in that. Well, actually, I can't say it's the opposite, but basically, like, I, 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 I do Greek dancing. I went to Greek school for, like, a couple months, but because my dad traveled a lot for work... And, like, he wanted me to be, like, more American, like, you know, like, play football, hockey, like, he knew we were Greek, but he didn't care for me to learn the language, like, that. My mom, on the other hand, is, like, the exact opposite. She was, like, she was teaching us Greek and having us go and, like, like understand our culture. And then it was literally just, like, I, I would say elementary school, like, I, you just got to take stuff in your own hands. So I just, like, obviously listen to Greek music, you know, like, like just interact with the culture more. And then if you want to learn more, embed yourself in it. So I went, like, outside of uh, the stuff that we do down here, we I go to Greece a lot. And a lot of my biggest videos are actually, like, in Greece. So once I did the work out there, I was able to show off, like, hey, here's here's what I can, like, really do with it. We just, even if it's, like, a light budget, because that's the other thing, too. Like, I, like, we try not to go too big on budgets. Like, we have done that for past projects, but I like, like, one thing in Greece that they, that they do is they keep, they, 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 it's like stretching a budget almost. Like, they're not given a lot, but you got to work with what you got. And, like, that, like, that whole mindset of just, like, you could really do anything you want. doesn't matter what budget is, like, like, basically, like, the humble beginnings. I learned that out there, and I thought... I'm gonna just bring it down here, like, and I think it's like that for a lot of people, or even some people just develop that on their own. So I completely agree, bro. It's kind of like if you're not able to turn like a, a small situation into something really sick. Yeah. If you have a big budget, what are you really gonna do with it? You know, 
Fuck, man. There have been there have been sometimes we had big budgets and like not that it felt too easy because I don't I don't obviously like stress isn't good and all of that. Yeah. But maybe it's maybe it's just the adrenaline like that comes from like we don't know if this is going to work, but fuck it. Let's go right into it. And then like and, and that's like in the last moments while you're filming rather than like two weeks before you've done like multiple tests and like, oh, we know this is going to work. And you just sit there just like, OK. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. If anything, that's even better than having the stress and having that adrenaline, because there's there's probably there's gonna be more like more or less chance it's not gonna work. And then you gotta just think of something on the spot fast, and then you just fucking that's it. Like that's it. I feel you, bro. As, as a kid, being a film guy, were you always seeing yourself as wanting to make films and videos at some point? Yes, but on the on the, on the opposite side on the cameras. Because when I was younger, like I watched all these movies, but I was like, fuck yeah, I could be Harry Potter. Like I and and that's what happened. I was I, <laughs> just I, I, get that lightning scar in uh, your head. Oh yeah, good. I have the glasses. Like there I have the glasses. Like and and everything and like uh, grab a twig out in the fucking <laughs> woods and you know when really God Leviosa, boom, fucking. But I, it was like that, and then it went to music because then like I always liked music and specifically like like I was in the punk rock like heavy metal first while doing all like like my stuff and then. As I went into high school and like started traveling more for my dad's work, that's when I started listening to hip hop because I like seeing street performers rap in different languages. I lived in Shanghai for a bit, like in China. So like even then, they would have like they would have people rapping on the streets. I don't know what the fuck they're saying, but there's something about it that just got me amped. And then throughout high school, meeting different artists, learning about different. Even like around the time in high school, like I'm I'm 26, so. Chief Keep was blowing up around my last bit of high school. 95? Yep, 95. Same, bro. That's what I'm talking about. September. It's a, what day? 13th. Bro, I'm 23rd. Oh, that's what I'm talking what about. fuck, bro? That's what I'm talking about. Vigilante facts right here. Let's Bow. go. Vigilante Virgos. Shout out Sosa, man. Yeah, that's what it is. Sosa. <laughs> but, but fucking, yeah, like, I, and around that time, like, I was, I knew about certain Chicago rappers. I did not know about Chief Keef, and then fucking all of a sudden in high school, people are playing, like, and this is after I got back from Shanghai, people are playing Love Sosa before the Finally Rich album came out, and they were playing all, like, the Everyday's Halloween, um, forget, I don't know them, like, all, all the bangers. John Madden. And John Madden, and then that, oh my god, dude, it, that's why I love the new Chief Keef mixtape now, because that new mixtape brought me back to those vibes, and that's when I went... I need I, and seeing how how rough edge those videos were not because like oh they're in the gutter and this and that it was the style which they chose to color correct it not on a huge budget but let's say they were given a big budget like if Aze was given the budget that he gets now back in the day like I, I personally think he would have even back then would have done some revolutionary shit just because you could see where his mindset was while filming those videos even if it's as simple as the hyperactive slow motion and the color correction because it helped tailor what we do now so bro you're really speaking my language right yeah. now because that should influence me super yeah. heavy because we're literally watching it at the same time and and yo i was never a kid uh, who was too much into like the young money era mm. or like not even really mmg shit when that cheap key shit came i'm like this oh is for God. me bro like i don't know how it, but i agree but that that's how i was like i would say even slightly before chief keef it would be for me either parody rap, like if I heard like Lonely Island, or if I heard Afro Ruck, Man, Afro Man, Rucka Rucka Ali, fuck that, that's 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 a whole different side of that. But yeah. like I was like I was like into meme rap essentially, and then one day I go to Michigan 
and I said, fuck it, like, I'm going to listen to some more rap. And I fucking got Gucci Mane and Waka Flocka's uh, mixtape, um, the Red Lamborghini. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I know exactly fuck. what you're talking about. It wasn't Ferrari Boys. No, it was Ferrari, Ferrari Boys. Ferrari Boys. Yeah, Boy. yeah, yeah. No, not Lamborghini. Ferrari, Ferrari Boys. But Banger. yeah, bangers. And that led from that to Chief Keef. And like I, that, like the rap was always around me. It's just like, again, like your, your music sways at different times. Like I said, like I was like, when I tell you I was in the, like, heavy metal i wasn't not like the traditional heavy metal i'm talking about like dudes from finland like like okay. fucking crazy shit the real shit <laughs> yeah like i again it's for me it's more adrenaline when it comes to music like I'll, I'll listen to spirit I, yeah spirit and like i'll listen for the lyrics there are songs that i have that i don't play a lot but when i play them it's like that that's my track like like or if i hear it that's my track i'll know all the lyrics but then there's just phases where i just need that fucking like dopamine rush and just boom like go inside for it i don't know what the fuck i'm saying no i completely understand bro and i'm glad you brought up the chief keef talk because i think we grew up in a really interesting time where we started to see that oh we have access to the exact same technology that everyone else has access to so at 16 i could put out a huge uh, put out a, a song and it could become the biggest fucking thing in the world and that started a huge thing bro like it kind of the soundcloud shit came oh from that God. filmers i think got a lot more freedom from that and th- that's that's the key thing like a lot of because uh, especially like they said like around the time the whole chief keith soundcloud not chief he wasn't soundcloud but a like before but yeah just a little before i would say like dat piff and all that dat a lot piff. of his mixtapes are on there yeah um and basically, like, like when I, the best thing I would say is I know a lot of people like say Cole Bennett. It wasn't Cole Bennett for me that made me realize I think shit's gonna get crazier. And then Cole Bennett came afterwards. It was like, I would say I like to call them the Chicago Trio: Lack of Films, DG Gaines, and uh, AZ Productions. Those so are fire. Those three. I was seeing the amount like famous. De- they all started doing famous Dex's videos, and then the whole FGB guys, and then like. So like when Cole Bennett came in, he there was another rapper I fucked with. I was from Chicago that we were supposed to work with that passed away. His name was EB Bands, like a white R. boy R. rapper. I remember that was a crazy story. Yeah, Car- and, and we were the week before all that shit happened because he got Trey the Truth and all that, like from Texas. Like he fucked with EB Bands. They had a track together. He was in he was in one of his videos. I think it did. None of this got ever released. Like there's a trailer I think, but they just posted that as like more of a m- memorial type thing. And, like, we were hitting him up. We were in the talk. We were supposed to fly out to L.A., do some work. Didn't hear from him in the month. And we're thinking, we knew he's on parole. So we're thinking, okay, maybe he's hiding out, parole, and then fucking boom, find out his body's been burned in a forest. Like, I was like, holy shit. He, and it, which, which is sad, because, like, he got lots of views. And, it's, and this is where I think a lot of videographers where even though there's a business aspect, there's also, like, I fuck with homie type, like, of aspect, because... As like, if you see an, a videographer work with an artist more than four videos, like obviously business can be business. There's also a personal relationship that comes with it. Absolutely. I didn't know EB bands. I talked with him like a few times, but he was a real dude, and I could tell he was a real dude. And I like, we're all like, I'm not gonna be the one to be like, oh, dude, like focus on this, get out of the streets, like. In the end, like, enough people have been saying that to him. So who am I to say whatever? Like, you know, I told him, like, you man, as long as you want to work with me, I will fucking give you the best video, especially because knowing how hard he went in. And then I like to say every videographer has a missed opportunity with people before they blow up. I feel like, for example, we also had contact with Jack Harlow. 
Okay. Jack Harlow came to the first show he ever did in Toronto was 2017 at the Velvet Underground. He went there twice, 2017, 2018. First time he came was a fucking snowstorm. Only 20 people showed up in the audience for that. But his songs are at a few million in the U.S., so we got a chance to talk with him. He was very cool, chilling with everybody. And it is, it, you, again, you see a dude get a million views in Texas at that time. You don't think he's about to be a fucking megastar. He comes the next year, go see him that year. You know, same thing, maybe 50 people show up. All of a sudden, what's popping? Fucking all this shit come happen. And now he's at history. He was at 50 people before, and now at history with 3,000 people. He's telling everybody, yo, who was, fu- who was rocking with me 2017, 2018? And, like, I'm sitting here like, bro, I was this close to getting a video with that guy. And then he's like, yo, next, he's like, this is the closest we'll ever get. Now he's at the Coca-Cola Coliseum. He's he's at he that's it. He's at that yeah. He's a he's a star. Like. He's a star, and like and that's that's why that's why I like to say like there was missed opportunity moments like with Jack Carl. I'm like shit, that could have been something there. Like you know if I just maybe if I made the right move or said fuck it, I'll come to you. Maybe that would have happened, and maybe I could have been the one to shot sundown, or maybe one of the ones that put him on. Maybe I could have been the one to shoot what's popping. Maybe right, but um. I think that's where certain directors have the right mindset. Like, Cole, this is where I can transition into Cole Bennett now. Cole Bennett, he shot for EB bands. I'm not going to lie. You look at that video, that looks like a 2014 Toronto video, you know, like whack, like whack transitions, whack, like, I can't even say 2014. That because even then that was more like there was a lot of clean videos for 2014. Yeah. I'll say, tw- I'll say 2010, 2009, 2009, 2010. That's like, it looked like that type of video. And then to see him do Lil Pump, again, famous Dex. Yeah. And then he thought, fuck it, I'm going to do the Lyrical Lemonade shows, get more money, bring more of these artists, and then work a deal out where if I do these shows, I'll also film for them as well and have that be a package deal. He was smart as fuck for that. And then now what he does is he will see a new artist blow up and he'll say, send me 20 tracks, almost like produce, like, like an artist when he said, tells the producer, send me 20 beats. He'll choose like three of those beats out of like the fucking 50 or 20 he sends. And that's what he does. He's like, send me all these tracks. I'll choose which ones I want to film. And he chose what's popping because, and mind you, all the albums that we heard Jack Harlow listen to now, he probably had recorded around that time when he did what's popping. Maybe not the newest one, but the two ones that came before that. So there, there I'm not gonna lie. There were songs I probably would have chosen over what's popping. But like the fact that he said that, and not only that, the thing where Cole Bennett is also smart in, and I think that. A lot more, as the scene gets more saturated, I want to see a lot more of is being creative with a very simple premise. There's no storyline for what's popping. Yeah. It's just a bunch of shots. But the setting felt right, the way it transitioned felt right, the way everything played out. Even the chick's fucking smoking a french fry in it. Or, and like, I I don't know what the fuck's going on, like, but videos lit it makes sense so it works it works and like like that's where cole bennett like i said he does his shit very well like he he knows when to do a storyline to make it like a spectacle and when to just keep it as the vibe and i think that's where sometimes like we can get commute like uh confused like sometimes people say vibe against stereotype toronto video telly video Yes. Get an Airbnb, get a few bottles, bring the homies, let's smoke some weed, and let's shoot a banger video. I'm not going to lie. Those vibes are cool, even with the homies. You know, all you're doing is just enjoying enjoying the time. You're fucking all hyped up. You're doing your thing. That's that. There's so many of those fucking videos, though. Maybe you could switch it up, you know? Maybe instead of inviting all the bros out, cut half of that, call a few friends maybe from high school that aren't within that scene that can maybe act or play a part and just set up a whole different scene. And that's basically... Like I feel like what 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 some of us are trying to do now. 
I feel you. And I think that's where your film knowledge comes in handy, too. Because, yeah. bro, not everyone watches movies and shit, you know? And it, I, that's kind of wild to think about. Because I've watched bear yeah. movies, too. But some don't. So you have a different perspective that others don't have. Where it's like, oh, there's this, there's this. You gain inspiration from all this different yeah. shit. And, and, and that's in the end, that's what I like. Because on top of that, like you can tell which videographers are solely like i can tell which ones start off from doing other types of video work like skateboard videos or just like sports videos like recap videos you can tell because the way their mindset and structure is that's not saying they, they're not going to transition into that point where they're like want well, to know what like cinematography and like getting a proper production getting the right format is what i want to do Everybody has that face. Fuck, even me. I, I I watched all these movies, man. The first the first few years, when I was charging like $30, $50 for a video. Like, and this is when I was also in elementary school. So grade six is when I started filming. Grade six filming. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Because it's like, who the fuck are you filming at grade six? Myself. Like, I'm, I'm doing skits. I'm doing whatever. And I realized changing the angles. I fucking, my brother taught me how to get a cracked version of Adobe. Dope. So the torrent ages, the torrent ages were the fucking lifesaver, man. I agree. Didn't pay, didn't pay shit. Fuck that shit. I fucking just my brother taught me that, downloaded it, and I just I learned through myself. And before I edited in Premiere, I was editing in After Effects. I didn't even know there was a there was a difference. Like I just I said the image came up, and when I exported, it may be a twenty gigabyte file, which took up my massive. A, yeah, fucking <laughs> massive back then, but. I got my video, so yeah. I'm happy. I would upload that shit to YouTube, and and then I went from Adobe Cracked to Windows Movie Maker for some reason, but I would keep the Adobe After Effects. I knew I could still do effects in it, and I would just play off that and just keep keep doing it. But as I was doing that, my film taste changed as well, because, again, I went to... I was doing a lot of... like I loved war films, so I, I, and even to this day, I fucking watched The Northman, which is not a war film. If you all think it's going to be an action movie... It's an art movie. Yeah. And I don't mind art movies. I like weird shit too. This was this was this is some next level shit. I did not expect seeing what the fuck I saw in that movie. And it wasn't even graphic, which is weird. But I went from watching all these epic hundred million dollar like massive army type movies to watching like five thousand dollar low budget horror movies that came out on VHS in the nineties. And then that five thousand that they spent on that made them five hundred grand just from the VHS market. So within that time, as I was doing the music videos, I was doing commercials for random like companies, like whatever I, whatever video work I could get. Cause at this point I knew if I touch a camera, I know what to do with it. I want to hit every avenue in case something doesn't work out. And that's where I think also a lot of other videographers, they try, they limit themselves into music videos. Even me, a lot of people, they know me from music videos, but I can also say while we've done a lot of music videos, we've done a fuck ton of commercials. I don't know how many countless events, whether it's, non-music related sports maybe just like maybe just like uh, community events so it's like it, it's like using that talent and using it in different areas and even now weddings like if, I, if you want to be honest secret code for videographers weddings are the bag if you want a bag from this and that can help you get to that cole bennett level where you can say fuck it i have a red cam now i can do this i can do that Weddings, if you don't have someone or a friend that's super plugged in as an artist, like is the quickest way you'll get all of that done. Especially because like weddings, they they might pay minimum two thousand for maybe maybe minimum a thousand. But my first thousand dollars I ever got was from a wedding. Nice. 
Like I wish you even now music videos. It's for music videos. It's really rare to get a thousand dollars for a budget in Toronto unless you have specific equipment. Unless you're clicked in with certain people yeah. and they know. Like, like you kind of have a built-in name already. Yeah, yeah. And that's and then there's also the way you're gonna play the game. In the end, the music industry is a game. And a same fact. with the video industry now. So as much like as much like my film knowledge comes in for that. This whole new age, like as far as like, like I said, the film knowledge from um, from me like doing my videos on set, what I'm yeah. inspired off of. In the end, this whole new age of marketing, this whole new age of getting the specific thing you want to get to help traject you to that next level, like you got to kind of sell yourself a bit, but not in the good way. Like for example, I like to get paid for every project I do, only because this is my full time job. This isn't, I incorporated in 2015 for a reason. This isn't a joke to me. This is my bread and butter. And I, again, I'm not going to say I haven't done a free video, but the free video also comes with certain things. Like, for example, gas is still going to need to be paid for. Same with food on set. Okay, maybe they might give me $60 for that. There's another deal that's being made right. behind the scenes in regard to why that's free or maybe why it's discounted. Like, for example, when people fly us out, I'll tell them like you fly like let's say let's say for some reason you decide to fly me out to Italy and you want to do a video out there. I'm not I'm I'm not going to charge you 1500 plus the fly out and hotel. I'm going to tell you, "Okay, we're going to do 750 and you're going to pull two other tracks out from your library and we're going to shoot three videos while we're out in Italy cuz I know the scenery is so fucking different out there than what we get out here. We can literally shoot three videos within the time of us walking around. While you're in while you're in the country too, what are you going to do? Walk around, explore. That's and especially while you're exploring with a group instead of like maybe you're with maybe with your significant other or your part or like maybe your work coworker. You, when you work, when you when you walk around in a group, you experience more. You might come up with more ideas. Fuck, maybe even the video that gets you that million views might be created within that two minute span of you talking, and then you go out and shoot it. All of a sudden, holy shit! Like that. That's just what happens sometimes. So, like in that in that case, is yeah, discounts. Like you got to work with it. Like within that game. But then now, what I, what we see a lot is a lot of people are just doing free videos just so they can be the the guy on top. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not calling out anybody in particular because again I know all of us all of us have done it as far as videographers, it's what it is. But then it's when even the seasoned videographers that have been in the scene that are, they they're not trying to do free videos, but they work within the same community. It's like all of our clients are now going to you guys because you guys shoot for them for free, like and now they're expecting less from us. So like maybe so I know someone that was charging five hundred, even five hundred is pretty like minimum for a video even just running gun yeah and he lost i think half of his clients because another videographer was shooting everything for free or he would shoot at a 250 dollar rate and he's like there has to be at least a talk amongst us to keep the le like everything the same not because we're trying to screw over artists or anything but again like i know the equipment that people spend, like cameras, like you can get a used camera that shoots 4K for maybe $900. And obviously you'll make your money back within time. But we're not trying to like do it so we can make all the money and no. we just rock with that. We're trying to we're trying to make sure we can be at our best. Even me, like paying for Adobe Cinema 4D, all the stuff I need to do, the effects and everything. It it costs me several hundred dollars a month. Facts. That's a month. People so, don't realize yeah. that, man.
It is. That's and, real shit. And and or and I also understand the artist side of it as well. And like like you said earlier, like we we see everything. So, and that's where I also say if you're a successful videographer, you might have a thicker skin than others. Because me, I'm I'm kind of naive. Like you know, I'm also understand people are human. So someone can give me a story, whether it's true or not. Who's to say I don't know? Who's to say I know what's going on? So on what? All right, maybe we can reschedule a shoot, even though we were supposed to shoot today. You know, or maybe, hey, oh, can you send back a deposit? You know, like, we have a thing in the contract that says deposits are non-refundable, so I'll keep half of it for that next day we shoot, but I can at least send you half back to help with the troubles. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, sometimes you got to bend the rules a bit, but at the same time, it's also like if we don't have that baseline, that baseline then there's going to be no work for us out here. There's, um, there's a quote that I have heard before where it's like, I'm not... If I could do a job in an hour, I'm not charging you a thousand dollars for the hour. I'm charging you for the thousands of hours I did to get to this point. Oh hell yeah! And even, even me, man. Like my my specialty in terms of like what I think I'm best at, I think I'm really great at being a camera operator. But effects and and like editing is more my thing. Like I could sit down. I could I could if I really put the the, the time and when I say like a nine hour like let's say like a nine to five type shift, eight, nine hours, sitting down just editing, I could have a whole video done with effects like within that time. You could fuck it up. Oh and that's what we've done that. Like yeah. there there have been times every and I know a lot of videographers like to post like, oh I dude I edited this fucking video in a day, like I'm the hottest guy out here. All of us can edit in the day if you have the right if you have the right computer setup and the right camera you're using with it, that shit can literally be done in a couple of hours. It's just a matter of how how creative is it. You yeah. edit a whole music video. Maybe you even edit it with effects. I even said this to myself because th this specific video I'm talking about is A.R. Paisley's Fuck Rat video. Um, we shot that and... Pretty and we were we were with some fucked conditions in the sense of Ar Paisley had his leg broken. Okay. And we were thinking, how are we gonna do these shots without him standing up? We want him to move around, want him to do his thing. We said, fuck it, he'll be sitting down, whatever. The, there was no plan for that video. It was just show up to this apartment, film, show up. Young Tory, his people are there, and we're in a really tiny apartment. So everybody's trying to do their thing. We still ended up shooting the video. And it wasn't a quick, it wasn't a long video. It was a very quick, like, shoot, two hours, I think. And the song's a minute and 30 seconds. So within the first hour of me getting back home, I already had the, all the performance stuff chopped up. Normally at this time, if we had like a three minute song, I would still have to incorporate all the slow motion and maybe try the first bits of coloring. But I literally just started hammering in the effects. And then, then I started adding in the slow motion. And then all of a sudden, like, I think maybe four or five hours passed by, the whole video was done. So I just, without titles. So all I did was send it off to AR and Kevin Rowley, and I was like, what do you guys think? And they were like, it's fucking sick, man. Just finish it up and just send it off, and we'll, we'll get ready for the release. And that, I think that video like, is sitting at, like, 700K right now on, nice. on Rap Nation. And we, that prompted us to do a second one. So we were like, fuck it, let's do Fuck Rap Part 2. And then we did same same thing. Shot in like two hours in a, in a random studio. Uh, this time, Air Paisley's leg wasn't broken, so he can move around a bit more and do his thing. Uh, this one, I can't say I took more time on. I think this one took four days of editing, but that's also because we had other projects in between that we were filming. But I like to choose those, like certain types of videos to have that be the challenge for me. 
let's see how let's see what I can get done within this time and how creative I can make it even though there's no baseline for a story no baseline for like if we're going to create a theme with it like for the fuck rap part one it was mainly the fact that we have no green screen and I'm doing green screen type of effects so I'm literally cutting around AR and like adjusting it to every movement frame by frame and I was basically like he had a line where he says um he calls himself the dark magician. He's inside the the apartment. Boom, the background changes to like the the library from Doctor Strange with the little gold fucking thing that he does to bring himself to another portal. Or when he says, you know, he's eating these beats or he's killing these beats. I literally had a mu- 3D music note come in and then it gets sliced in half with blood splurting. <laughs> like fire. You know, like like simple stuff like that. And then the second one was okay, he's standing the piano's the main theme, so we're gonna have like while he's performing and all the visual effects are going crazy. I said, Kevin, as the song progresses, just fucking hammer the, the the keyboard as hard as you can to the beat, and we'll just have it gradually build and just have that be it. And then like you know that's our little theme. Fire. Yeah. It, it, again, small things, and it's small things where I think if we didn't have it. I'm not gonna say the video would have sucked. The video would have probably still done the same or still had the same reaction, but. Again, little things in Cole Bennett videos. He has the people sitting monotone rapping at the camera. That's like one of our things. Yeah. I like crazy camera movements. Something that feels very amateur. And that leads back to the the low budget movies I like, you know, like those little things make it great though. Yeah. You know, where oh, it's like yeah. you could tell my judgment for especially music videos, if I'm smoking is the song good and the videos fire to watch. Like those old Fredo Santana videos, like shit like that, man. Oh my the, god! The the that type of shit with those little effects where it's like, oh, this is so fire! Like it, 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 it that's the thing though. Even um, Lil Re, I think I think Lil Reese had that song. Who got that drink? I got that drink. Yeah. Oh my goodness! When the camera would go slow motion, I know they poured they poured up in that fucking big ass jug, whatever they had. Yeah. Bro, the slow motion, the way the smoke shots went, like again, like. Cool, AZ had that th- like that little thing in each video that kept that I think made Cole Bennett like I think and it's not like Cole Bennett studied AZ and went oh I see what he's doing I'm gonna go do this it's unknowingly just just Bro, doing he's probably it. a fan yeah probably real shit and on top of that that's why I also gotta go in like homaging shit like Quinn Tarantino like best fucking director like in in cinema as far as the modern ages. Every single project he's done has been like twenty movies combined yep. in one, and even me, man. Like one one specific genre I like. I know you're Italian. The Italian giallo or Italian like Rambo knockoffs or cannibal loves movies. Those, bro. I, I I love when I tell you I have a deep love for those movies. That those were the original low budget movies I would watch. Like amazing it, soundtracks, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Shit, the no. music on those is top tier and 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 i think it, it, it they knew they didn't have the budget but just like how i said like in, in greece it's it's not about budget it's about what you can do and who's just who's just down to do it yep doesn't matter if you're getting paid just let's see what turns out and for example in glorious bastards not a lot of people know that it's an italian world war ii movie from 1978 different premise entirely different premise but he brought certain people back from that movie into the new one like when they're showing the movie scene in the theater before they shoot up the theater, the American general that said, you know how important that tower is? He's the fucking dude from the original movie. Fire. Even Fred Williamson, who's a, who's a football player from back in the day, he was huge within the Italian movie scene. And Quentin Tarantino acknowledged that. I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
he, uh, uh, what was it? What's his face? Leonardo DiCaprio's character, big star, did all these movies. All of a sudden, he's, he said, yo, I made more money in Italy than I did my whole fucking Hollywood career, and I did all these low-budget movies. But when you look at those low-budget movies, it's like, it's impressive. They it's, were it, it's, so influential. Yeah. They accomplished so much with so little. And and I would say they accomplished so much. And, and it's funny because, like, obviously those movies would only be seen in specific countries because the European market would cater to Asia just like how Asia would cater to Europe. Right. So I know a lot of movies from the Philippines, a lot of movies from Pakistan, um, a lot of movies from Iran. They would all be shipped off to Europe. And people in Europe, it would have a uh, cultural growth in Europe, like a cult fan base. Same with the European movies. They'd go off to North America on the VHS markets or to Asia, like in the movie theater markets, and it would just fucking blow up. So even I remember there's a movie called Strike Commando, which is literally Rambo 2, carbon copy, but they just change a few actors and maybe did a one-two thing thing a bit crazier. The, over here, people are like, this movie, shit, what the fuck is this? Out there, I, when I went to China, the the fact that I even saw posters of this movie inside certain VHS shops, like it's 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 like an inside joke. That, it's like a joke that you're in on. That's exactly. So it. you so you so so you, you just you just fucking flip your shit, and that's what also made me feel like more of like a weirdo nerd at the same time. So I'm like, I'm literally the only one that's probably flipping out about this in Toronto right now. I'm probably the only one that knows about this information in Toronto right now, and it's but that's what I like because in the end, whatever, and I contact these directors they're still alive and kicking it they you can contact these dudes that do the low budget and they will respond to you and give you every bit of information they told they told us and that's where director's influence comes in that's why like outside quentin tarantino one other director quickly peter jackson lord of the rings a lot of people go oh lord of the rings he chose a lot of that budget stretching even though he got millions of dollars for it he chose he could have done a lot of shit like he did in the hobbit he could have just done green screen and said fuck you guys that's it uh, he decided to do everything, practical, green screen, everything. And that's what made it the fucking legend of a movie it is. But if you see his first three movies he did in his life, one's called Bad Taste, one's called Meet the Feebles, the other one's called Evil Dead. These are the most tasteless, goriest fucking comedic movies I've ever seen in my life. I know the first one, he, he shot it for 100000 in New Zealand. It took him four years to make it. Just shot it on the weekends with his friends. Put it in the film festival, didn't think much of it. All of a sudden, the New Zealand film board said, we're going to give you an extra 150000 to finish this and fucking go on a next project. Then he did uh, Meet the Feebles, which is like basically Sesame Street, but if it was X-rated. Okay. Um, fucking wild movie. Shouldn't watch that when you're 10. <laughs> My parents didn't know that it was going to be like that. So when you see an elephant doing coke, it's just what it is. You got to play along with, with the punches. So hey, that's the streets, man. That's the streets. You learn from a, long, you, you learn from a young age. Real and shit. then Evil Dead, which was just like a gory zombie movie. And I watched that, again, all under, I think, like a million even back then was a lot. But for Hollywood, no. Like, the fuck? Like, Nothing. for what he did in those movies, man, it... it, it it just it, it taught me so much at, at a young age and again unknowingly bringing it into my projects so we'll get a budget and then i'll li literally look back at archives of footage of on how people did certain shit or when my stabilizer breaks what the fuck did they do yeah. weighted balance so just basically get a stick put some weights find the weight of your camera and just try to try to do your best just rock it out yeah real shit real bro. shit it's very important for those types of guys like tarantino and peter uh, peter jackson like those huge names mm -hmm. it's very important for 
those guys to be in big positions because of where they came from. They're exactly. weirdos just like us, and that helps us. Exactly. And that's huge. Other people might see them for Lord of the Rings or um, their, you know, whatever. And 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 that, and that's what I like because in the end, we like. I, I like that aspect of, of being taught without knowing. And on top of that, seeing what some of the new people are doing. When I say new, I know a lot of the current videographers in Toronto started within that 2014, 2017 timeline. Yep. When I say current, I mean like, oh, like for example, I'll, now every director I'm bringing up, I absolutely love. I, I don't know, maybe they could have started sooner on a different name. Orzio, bro, bro. Even guys like Orzio, Julizezo, um, uh, where are the other, who are the other guys? I'm thinking there's a lot. There's a lot of directors there's in the city, and that's the thing. I'm, I'm, go- I'm good with all. I'm 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 like I'm not good with all of them, but like you're civil with all of them. There's obviously a bunch of you're cool with, but like sp- I'm gonna bring up those two guys at Charlton, Marcus Letts, because especially with Charlton, him and I, especially with my me shooting in the Toronto scene, like I said, I started earlier, but I wasn't in the Toronto scene like that. Yeah. My first Toronto rapper I really filmed. I, I we'll move that over. Uh, I know. I keep knocking it and shit. My no hands worries. are fucking all. It's, it's, it's our Mediterranean, Facts. like our hand movements. Expressive. Um, Roni. Roni was my first, like, I would say Toronto rapper I filmed. And, like, and I heard my friends would listen to him in high school. And like I and I was listening to him too. Around the time like I was being introduced to Chief Keef, you know, I heard of Roni. Yeah. I'm listening to Don't Sleep Volume One, Don't Sleep Volume Two. I'm holy shit, this guy could spit. Fucking hit him up on Twitter, and I said I want to shoot a video for you. We just he tells me he has Don't Sleep Volume Three coming out. He wants to do two videos with me. I told him a hundred dollars for two videos. He's like perfect. You know, we the only thing I t- and even then with that hundred dollars, I used that to get the studio that we even shot in for the first video. I didn't even so technically the second one was just free. So I, I got the studio because I, I always, my goal at that point was I've never seen Roni film inside a white screen studio and I want to be that first person to do it. So I did that. We shot Get Back. Again, simple video. We shot it in like 2012, 2013. Ended up being a whole like, like it came out 2014, 2015. It was dope. We did that. Then we did Deer, Deer Smith and Weston, which to me, again, it was another video. Like, and I was just happy to be working with the guy getting to know him, you know, like, I didn't, like, again, that was the second time us meeting when we did the second video, but Roni was the first rapper I met or, mu- or like, artist that was, like, really, like, talkative outside of just the music shit, just, just like, being just genuine, you know, yeah. and it's, sometimes it's hard finding that, especially when you've been, like, not, again, I'm, I wasn't the outcast, I was definitely a weirdo, but, you know, like, to find someone that, like, that fucks with your ideas, that wants to expand it, 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 it was, it was refreshing, so we're like, okay, and then around that time is when, like, a bit after that, you know, high school um, was just wrapping up. And then I'm thinking, shit, I'm about to go to college. I might want to start shooting my first feature film when I'm 19. Let's fucking do this. No. <laughs> I couldn't do it. It was the, the feature films are a whole different route where even now I'm now starting to make the transition because I've done a few feature films yeah. now. So now I understand the format of it, the marketing of it, what you got to do in the new age to blow your product up as far as, like, a feature film standpoint. But... You know, like, I, sometimes I just think on the old artists I used to film with and just go, like, they're the, they're the reason why maybe my looks might look a certain way on film. And not only that, humble beginnings. So, like, I, I a lot of different examples. And I look at Orazio and Jules has done, like, they came into the scene with bangers right off the bat. I remember at the time as well, like, they weren't doing, like, the 3D stuff they're known for, like... 
they were doing like the, what we would see in Cole Bennett videos. You know, we would, they would have the glows around yeah. them, the yeah. animations. Smoke videos. Oh, hell yeah. And it, w- it would be shit like that. Or, and I mean, like, I, I, I think more for Orazio, he was more on the clean routes. So he would do, like, the masking, multiplying. I remember a lot of his earlier videos, there was a lot of fire. So he would have fire in a room and shit. And he's a dude where I don't know what the fuck happened within the last six months. I don't know if he won the lottery. And he said, fuck it, I can do these effects on an upgraded system and just kill it. Maybe he spent that time just learning. Yeah. He, his last two videos are the hardest videos I've seen in the city, both by the simplicity of how it was shot and by the outcome of it. Because it's easy to get stock footage online and then incorporate it seamlessly in a video, switching up a one-two to the point where people think it's your effect. Like, they don't think, they don't think someone else created it. Right. The amount of the amount of finessing that that comes with the video stuff in terms of like I could go on YouTube right now, type down gun model 3D spinning green screen, download 30 of these, change the colors slightly, multiply it in the program, then just like take out the green screen. All of a sudden, I have guns floating in my video. And mind you, I'm not saying that's what Orizio does. I can tell they do it more custom. If you look at the reflection of the gun spinning, if there's no reflection that matches the scene, they got it online. Right. If you could see maybe the artist's arm move and then in the reflection of the gun, there's a movement at the same time, they created that within the 3D space and incorporated it into the footage. And there's a lot of directors, well, not a lot, there's one specific director that does a lot of finessing. And I also have to give him all, but I can't get mad at him because... He's not claiming to be that dude to go for, like right. in terms of the 3D stuff. He just knows how to put a sick video together, and he's been he's being used a lot in the Toronto scene. So his hustle, same thing. Can't get mad at him. I can't get mad. It's to me that's that's his style now. That's that's naturally his style. Although he's he's attempted the 3D stuff and all that, it's one of those where it's like he knows it's not his thing. He has a team he's expanding on. He'll do a one-two with the titles. You know the titles are all in 3D now. Right. But mainly what I've noticed is, like, a lot of these dudes are just finessing with green screen shit. And Orazio and Jules, despite them having similar looks to what a lot of people think, um, I genuinely, like, when I tell you, if, if, I see, if I see a post by either of those two, those, I, I will jump on that video right away. That's literally what it is. And even now, I know Orazio has tiny, it works with tiny tapes a lot now, and... The, their combination with the Maddox video and the Bad Baby video, whatever project they've touched has been fucking crazy. And now what I like within the scene that wasn't like this before, and realistically, I don't. I know a lot of people started working together in Toronto, I would say around 2015, 2016, because around that time, we started doing Riff Raff videos. So we started shooting for Riff Raff, me and Martina. Not as ourselves, though. We went with another brand called Captured Films. Okay. They did The first time Waka Flocka really came to Toronto, they were the ones that filmed. Um, it was a collective, so there was the director Dan Barker, editor Lucas Sewards, who would do editing and camera work and VFX, and then they had a dude named Darren, Focused Visions. All these, all, all within the span of 2009 till 2016, like when I tell you quality videos for a good rate, those were the fucking guys. And then obviously, like you know, we came in, the team expanded, certain people left to go do their own stuff. So within that time, we were filming and doing our thing. When I say we, um, me and my friend from Humber, Screwface Films, I, I can't even say friend. He's like a brother to me. Shout out Screwface Shout Films. out Screwface Films, man. Um, like, I remember I was doing my thing, but when I tell you again, a dude that was just as passionate as me, had more energy. Again, I was a very quiet dude, even when it came to shit outside of work, like school. 
this dude this dude fucking motivated me and it just so it just came naturally like we started working we were we worked with captured films like he was on set with me while we went on tour with riff raff he was on, he like we he went to hamilton fucking london like we went everywhere like like and we did the video work and then it was all humble shit because in the end riff raff is a wild fucking character bro i gotta interrupt i'm a yeah. fucking massive riff raff fan bro so you need to expand on that for me so i'll tell you how i got the video and what went down and, so okay. and what the video was and i'll try and play maybe what i'll do is i'll, I'll also send you clips because yeah. i have a lot of shit on my instagram and on my personal shit so you could put that over just to show down. so basically i get a post another videographer shout out brown guy um because him and i were also very early stages swapping secrets talking he made a post saying yo i got a video shoot coming up i need someone to drive a very big artist like on facebook but we need a black suv a lot of people hit up they said i don't have an suv but i could drive them i said i got a black cheap cherokee like to like suv model he said fuck it i was i it was like at 9 a.m like literally two people responded so i responded they said boom go I call him and I call the director. I said, who's the artist I'm picking up? He said, Riff Raff. I'm, I'm shitting. Yo, my vehicle, when I tell you, like, my vehicle's a fucking mess. It looks like I live in my vehicle. This is the first time. And I, mind you, I respond to this in school. I'm already inside my class at Humber. And Screwface can attest to this if we can get him on an episode. I literally got up from class right before it started and left. Fire. I left as soon as I got the yes, and then I was, I was uh, what's going on? Yeah, you're gonna be driving Riff Raff from Toronto to Port Perry. I'm in a car four hours with Riff Raff, and I'm getting paid. Why am I here? I got up, left, cleaned my vehicle. I told my mom class is canceled. <laughs> I lied. I uh, class is canceled. I don't know what the fuck. Someone pulled the fire alarm. She's like, it's college. They're gonna fix it. I'm like, I don't know. Go grab my shit, clean my vehicle, and I'm thinking I'm gonna bring my drone and my lights, my camera, my stabilizer just in case. Go to go to Toronto. Riff Raff's inside my vehicle with his Canadian tour manager and some chick. I'm ecstatic. And written now, a lot of people have bad experiences first time with celebs. Riff Raff was so was so dope. Like I'm very happy to say he's he was the fucking funniest dude I've ever met in my life. But that's also the scariest thing. This is my first interaction with him. So everything's going dope. You know, like we walk, he walks in. He's he's doing the whole fitness thing at the time. Mind you, I don't know what video we're still filming. I don't know the track. I don't know nothing. Goes gets a few pills for detox. You know, we go into Shoppers Drug Mart. I get Sprite. He pulls out three things of Aunt Jemima maple syrup. I don't know. I didn't ask him what's inside his bag. I go inside. I'm like, what's what's in your bag? He's like, I got syrup for your Sprite. I started dying of laughter. I'm driving, and as I'm driving, he rolls down the window, and he starts tossing each bottle on, like, the fucking, I forget if we were on the 401, out the fucking window. He's like, I could have played for the Toronto Raptors. I could have played for the Versace Band or Ears. And, like, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. He's just a fun time. I get to the set. Mind you, I don't listen to this next artist I'm about to bring up. I, don't li- I didn't really know about until Praise the Lord, the song with, Skepta. okay. Yeah. Riff Raff and Skepta Back from the Dead. We were shooting that in Port Perry, and I was fucking ecstatic. And I'm thinking, okay, I just want to get a, a photo with Riff Raff, because I saw him perform last year at Danforth Music Hall. I so. was there, bro. He threw pizza into the <laughs> yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and he, this is when he had like he had like the the, the signs of yes. the neon braids. I remember he did cuz my gear, and I yes. was I, I, and he came out super late. Too. Yeah, he came that. out he came out fucking late. <laughs> he came out fucking late. Shout out to the fucking high Go. roller legend, jo- Jody High Roller. But he that's consistent with him though. Like, not I'm not saying that in a bad way too. He doesn't come out late, but. There was one specific incident. The second time we went on tour, he was getting the stars on his neck colored in. So we went to FYI tattoos. And then, like, literally, like, he texted the promoter saying, I'm going to be 50 minutes late. And he shut down the whole tattoo shop. So it was just him. People are taking photos. I'm in, like, a spinny chair like this spinning around because my ADHD is all over the place. I don't want to look like a nerd, but at the same time, I'm fucking bored. So I'm going to be spinning. Um, But... Like, again, that whole experience with him was, like, crazy. And the shoots we did with him were even crazier. Back from the Dead was a whole horror movie premise. Wasn't my premise. Again, Captured Films was the one that dealt with that, specifically Dan Barker, the director. But they were looking for a drone. I have a drone. Okay. Can you can we use the, Can you do drone shots for us? Cool. Did drone shots for that. I'm like, sweet, I got a credit in the video. All of a sudden, yo, we need help with green screen. We need help with lighting. We need help with all this other shit. I just came in. I said, listen, I know you guys told me to drive him and I could leave, but I want to help out on set. I helped out on set. I ended up getting my photo with him. I ended up fucking getting paid for it as well. And then he came back literally like six months later for his tour. And then we did with Captured Films, we did his tour. We shot Black of the Dawn's video, Bands in Advance. Um, we There's a song with Riff Raff and Falcon Crest called The Shine, I think. I forget. Or I had a different name. It's not The Shine, but it was something more complicated. Um... And again, we went on tour with him. So because he was familiar with us already, he said, all right, these will just be the dudes that drive us. So now we're driving Riff Raff to London. We're driving him to Hamilton. We're driving to Toronto. We're driving him to Oshawa. And now, like, I know he took the train and flights for his Ottawa and Montreal stuff. We didn't, we didn't go to that because at that, at that point, you need, some, you need some fucking sleep. Yeah. This dude will go. And that's where, that's where I love his commitment and where artists beat your expectations. I thought he'd be like a lot of others, other artists I've seen where they get paid and they just do the bare minimum and then they get the fuck out because they got paid. When I tell you Riff Raff like created a set for us, Riff Raff would do the song. Even if the guy didn't have the money for the video, he would be like, yo, let's just shoot the video right now. Like he didn't give a shit because in the end he got paid. He did 20 minutes inside the booth. You gave him $2,000, even though technically it's supposed to be 5000 Fuck it. Let's shoot a video. And then you could pay me the other $2,500 with when you, b- before you release it. Because then obviously, like, clearance and all that for the track. And where are you going to promote it? So it's it was, an, it was an interesting experience. That was the first time, like, I ever really went on tour. Like, it was with Riff Raff. And Your first tour is with fucking Riff Raff. Yeah. And, and it's funny because videographers on tour, and if you want to look at certain videographers that are touring, uh, Dante Chung, he's with DJ Charlie B a lot. Yep. Um, you look at his videos because you, you will meet the artists you want to meet. You'll meet some fucking crazy people, some crazy connections. When I tell you that boy hasn't put down his damn laptop and I see Premiere opened up each time, we were in the VIP section with Riff Raff. Me and Screwface are sitting there looking at the laptop, editing the next vlog video or editing the next re- uh, like, like music video. And while you're on tour with certain artists, you got to shoot music videos for them. It's part of the co- not, not contract. We weren't given a contract. It was more verbal agreement. But Way of the road. Yeah. Exactly, way of the road. And, uh, you know, in the end, like, those, again, Riff Raff, I would, uh, Back from the Dead definitely touched a, a couple million. His other videos obviously didn't touch, uh, like, millions or so, but why know what, for the type of person he is and then his name, because in the end, all these new artists are still doing features with Riff Raff. Riff Raff, Riff Raff became that staple in hip-hop, even though it was all jokes and shit. 
it, he came in now as you're blowing up, you got to get a feature with Riff Raff. I, uh, I am dead serious when I say Riff Raff is, to me, one of the most influential artists of the past however many years, bro. Oh, hell yeah. Especially him and, Sol- him and Soldier Boy from the internet age, especially. Massive. And, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. It, but, the, but the problem with Riff Raff, though, as a videographer is good luck. The wild one. Good fucking luck. Holy shit. <laughs> the, like, the, back from the dead, I, maybe because Skepta was coming in from UK, that's why it ended up like that. But he's also the type of dude where he'll change his mind. Hopefully You'll have sure. a plan for a track, boom, different track you're doing, like literally the day you show up. Again, not a bad thing, but you also got to be ready as well for editing. Riff Raff likes very wild like stuff. Like with his song Bands in Advance with Black of the Dawn, you know, we did an edit. You know, he has a song called, he has a line where he brings up apricots. Okay. This guy calls us at 4 a.m. ringing <laughs> our line. Yo, what's good? I see it's Riff Manager. I'm like, yo, what's good? He's like, yo, Riff wants a one to change. He's wondering if you get apricots and slice them up for the video and put them in. I was like, I thought it was a joke. I was like, oh, you're seeing, I was, I was laughing. I'm like, nah, but what do you think of the video though? He's no, no, the video is hard, but we have a list of suggestions. You have to do him as Indiana Jones. You have to like indie, like Photoshop him in a, in a way. He wants Sprite bottles floating or lean bottles floating in the video. And this is before people started doing the 3D floating shit, like all this 3D floating stuff. So we didn't even do it in 3D. Like I remember I just, I just literally just grabbed images of lean cups and I just had it spin in a 2D space. I would warp the background green, you know, give it that like that like high like, yeah. like, like your high type of visual. And we just rocked with that. And I knew a lot of people weren't really doing that at the time, especially within 2015. Like I remember I, the first time I saw glow effects, I saw it very briefly in like a Russian video. Mm. And I was like, this is weird. And he put the link in a tutorial that had like a hundred views. He put the link on where to find the uh, red giant and all these effects programs. So I started doing the glow stuff. That was my thing. So I would, I would, I would like to say, there's a there's a guy, a videographer in the states named Louis Nose, and he does like a lot of big like artists as well. The way he shoots and edits with like the if the video, if any videographers are watching the glow effect from Ecto, if you know the word fucking word Ecto, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Tell them. It, it's. It's like that. That's what we were on in 2015. So that was like our thing. And Screwface and I, we we would do that. We would go fuck it. Like let's stylize the video. This isn't this isn't gonna be a stereotypical music video. We're gonna fucking add shit that's neon pink glowing in the background. Yeah. We're gonna have the backgrounds distort. I might have a fucking fireball come down and crash into the frame. I didn't give a shit at that time. There was a two year thing where Screwface and I, every day we shot a video. And every day we'd be editing. I would go to his. I would go to his place in Brampton, up till four a.m. editing. He'd come to my place. We'd be up, we'd be up editing till fucking. We'd pull days with no sleep editing, burning. We literally even we did a video for Pressa uh, Maserati. Um, we were, our jobs were just editors. So same thing. Captured film shot it, but this time they said, okay, outside of the captured film brand, Dimitri, you're gonna edit this. Right. Problem with Pressa, they want their video done in three days. I had now at this time I did not have the computer that I had for fuck rap. That, that was two years after the fact. I was editing off a fucking nine hundred dollar laptop. When I literally tell you I fried my hard drive, I got the video sent in three days, and that's also three days of green screening, three D work, shit that's not even meant for this laptop. But because I was just like we were hungry, I can't say I. Screwface and I were hungry. We would go to dance place. Now mind you, Brampton to Bowmanville is a fucking drive for yeah. three days straight. That's what we did. 
We edited, got the video sent, didn't hear shit for a year and a half. We thought they hated the fucking video. We got paid, thought they hated the video. There's no way it's getting released. Finally comes out after a year and a half. Dope. What was the three day deadline for? I was like, I was like, I was like, I literally could, I literally <laughs> could have had my new computer and done some crazier shit. I thought it was gonna be out next week. I have the what the fuck? Year and a half. Year and a half later, and he did no notice or nothing. I get a me- I get spam messaged one morning, ten DMs. Bro, you did a video for Pressa? Question mark. I'm like, oh yeah, what the fuck happened? Like at this point, I didn't give a shit if it was gonna come out. I look, I see it's out, and I'm like. I guess that's what it is. Now it's the first time I've ever dealt with a video that's going to be released a year or so after you shoot it. And I didn't know that how much of a thing that was until literally like while we were doing the stuff with Kevin Rowley, AR Paisley, because now we started working with labels more. Okay. And even out in Greece. So then I would do videos out in Greece. We would shoot. And normally in Greece, they would wait till I get home. I'd edit in a month and that's whatever. And then they would just release it. This time... I edited it, did the same, did the same thing, but it wasn't released. They held on to those fucking videos. And I noticed a lot of videos, even to this day, there are videos that we did in 2016, 2017 that still haven't been released that are, that we've been updated that they're coming out. Wow. Like they're going to be coming out soon. In fact. And the problem with that as a videographer, especially because I've updated my whole camera equipment, my editing, the way I edit, the way I shoot, everything's practically has elevated, but I've also taken out a lot of shit. Especially because I know if this if this video comes out now and someone sees this, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna fully post it on my page. I don't know if I'm gonna support it. Obviously, it's my video, and even at a time, I'll look back at those videos and smile and be like, "Wanna well, what?" For what it was at that point of where I was mentally and what was going on in my life, that was fucking sick. Yeah. And as much as I could say there are videos of mine that I fucking hate, all those videos I love at the same time. I completely understand that. Yeah. Because you evolve. Oh yeah, you definitely, you have to evolve. You have to evolve. And one thing that like, as far as the evolving now is seeing all the guys now that are doing it. Like I said, around my time, dudes, like when I say my time, I sound old as shit, but as a videographer, literally like, like within the next three years, I got to dip out of the music video scene. You can't, you can't be told you're 30 years old shooting a fucking tally video. What the fuck? Like, and I'm not saying that's bad. If you do that, and if you're if you're getting the money that you're getting to live comfortably, actually, no, fuck that whole yeah, statement. If you're getting the cares? money that you're getting to live comfortably and legally, who what? gives a shit? Yeah. You're 30 years old shooting tele videos. You're getting paid a thousand per video, and you shoot five videos per month. That's five thousand a month. Yeah. Who gives a shit? You're living. You're, you're you can at least live. And and not only that, like I said, it's it's harmless somewhat. Somewhat. And that I think there might be a story a different day for this. Um, videographers, if you're shooting for certain artists. Make sure you're they're good, so you don't go to jail. Different day for that story. Um, part two coming up. Part two that yeah that was that's all I, I could go on about it now, but I also need to think about how I can frame the story because it's with people that it's with people that I've known. I didn't work with a lot in terms of like personal work. We've done maybe two videos, one before the incident, but. It's like, you also got to understand the Toronto scene specifically. Like it wasn't like, for me, it wasn't like how it was when I first started. I could shoot some street dudes and there's no bullshit that was attached to them. There was no bullshit that they brought on set. Everybody was very transparent on how the set was going to be conducted. Even now I try to conduct my sets where it's, none of that can happen. Like we have a makeup artist, we have a lighting guy, like we're trying to make it more official. And, you know, obviously with the way the scene has gone and who's popular in the scene, there's a certain type of fuckery that that's being brought up. And 
although a lot of videographers film for a lot of these fuckery artists and it's what it is like you know works work business is business it will catch up and I, we, I've seen examples of that in the States, certain video, even here, there, I forget which videographer, a videographer that was shot and he doesn't film anymore. For sure. Uh, there are videographers that, that have snitched. Uh, there have been certain videographers that have done certain things. And it's not even like, even though you're the videographer and you'll be found innocent in the end, lawyer costs, curfew, police seize it's your equipment. you don't want to deal with. I, and I, we, and I, I'm not going to say I because another another person very close to me dealt with this as well. You get your shit seized. I had my I had all my shit seized within that time, and I had to buy empty out my savings on lawyers and new equipment. Holy fuck! And even to the to this day, because this, this happened very recently, like obviously everything's dropped, everything's good. I am still recovering from that. So it's like, and even despite as big as the projects get. There's also a certain level of caution. I love EB bands. Yeah. I, like I said earlier in the interview, there are certain artists that we were in contact with that were in some real shit. Yes. And but it, but that's because with us the real shit wasn't brought into us. And you, and you see these examples from the outside. I always tell every new art videographer or even artist, tread your ground with who you work with and make it very apparent that you're not. If you're not about that life, you're not about that life. Yeah. Now also a lot of people lie. There are so many artists I've shot for that are 100% not about that life. I've been to their fucking parents' house. I've seen their setup. I know what they do for a living. They're not about that life. Their music makes it seem like another another thing, though. And if I understand some people are stuck in the delusion of if that's what sells, that sells. Lil Tecca is a perfect example. Even, I will say, prior to Lil Tecca, Slim Jesus. Shout out Slim Jesus. <laughs> What was that shit called? Uh, Shout out the uh, uh, um uh oh my god with drill time. Drill time. These weapons are not real. These weapons are that not. That was the first real. time I'd ever seen that, bro. I was looking at that video and I we all we almost did a video with Slim Slim Jesus as well. Oh, he had, a guy that we filmed for a lot that came from Atlanta here. His name was Actual. He had a track with Slim Jesus. Had a track with outside of the other Slim Jesus, Slim 400, who sadly also passed yeah, away. Right, we did a video with Slim 400. It wasn't, Slim 400 wasn't there, but actual was a feature on that track. Okay. So we were part of the camera team for that. So it's just like, you just gotta be, again, you just gotta be weary. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand like what's around you, who's what, and also be very clear. Cause I see a lot of videographers shooting a lot of dangerous content. There's maybe they know who they're dissing. They don't give a fuck because the payment and because of the clout that will come from that. Listen, I already saw another videographer get pressed in the mall because he fucking shot for someone, even if they wasn't diss videos, man. And in the end, I I shot on every side. I've shot for the dudes from Varna. I shot Little Debbie's diss tape to TJ while working with TJ. No way. They we all knew it wasn't a promo stunt with Debbie where. Her and DJ, TJ were talking. They were laughing. No, it was her and Top 5. They were talking, laughing. Said, let's do a little TJ yeah. diss. We shot it in Varna. I've shot in Varna for the dudes before that. I know dudes from Regent and Varna are beefing. I'm shooting for Roni as I'm shooting for the guys in Varna. I'm shooting the Gene and Finch guys as I'm shooting the fucking dudes in Brampton. And because I always tell them in the end, you send me a track. If I hear it, I don't care if you're saying you got guns or I'm selling packs. I don't give a shit if you're yeah. saying that. Self-incriminate if you want. Yeah, yeah. Because in the end, you're not dissing another side exactly. I'm filming for. Even if you're, even you might be slightly dissing them. I don't want to hear names. I don't want to hear none of this block talk. I don't want to hear none of that. And that's how I kept it to throughout this whole time. That's why even though I might work with presses people and bring up, yeah, I filmed for Roni. I film and I bring up their ops or who I guess they consider their ops. 
in the end, I try and make it clear. I'm not part of the politics. This is a business venture. I'm not shooting your diss videos that press is going to be dissing maybe homie and then I go to film homie and they're like, what the fuck? Like, like you shot their video. Like, I'm obviously not going to shoot with you. Now it's a problem with us. No, get the fuck out of that. And I also know a lot of videographers who have shot those diss videos and didn't put their name on it. And again, to the to the main audience, maybe even to the artists, it's very clear that they don't know who the videographer is. For the videographers, you know. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> the the amount of times I messaged certain videographers and went, "You're a fucking demon," and then for me to do that exact same thing for uh, for uh, for a different project, and it was more now with me with my thing was, it wasn't a diss video when I edited it. But they swapped out the audio mm. after the fact because they didn't like the guy's verse and the guy wore a mask. So, now mind you, this also isn't an, a Canadian video. This okay. is this this is from the states. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Or else I'd be fucking, I'd be a little slippery. Like like the guy wore a mask in the video. They shot it. I edited it. As far as I knew, there's they have money. Obviously, in the states, they got their guns and shit. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a diss towards a single living soul in that video. No names brought up, no no mentioning of no one's dead, whatever. And then I get told, yo, promote this video, post this on your page. I hear the I hear the first verse, same shit, everything's good. I then watched the video after I post it. And I went, I hit them back. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, yo? I'm like, I and it, and now the and listen, there are people that get shot every day in different cities that aren't even big rappers. So these rappers weren't big. So it's like, bro, like, but it's enough where I can go online and figure out who's beefing who Facts. on Reddit. Reddit and certain YouTube comment sections, that's why police are able to do their job so good. Torontology. Yo, shout out Torontology. <laughs> Real shit. Shout out to Torontology uh, and, and Rap Cap, T.O. Um, because another thing I've always wanted to do is expose certain rappers for buying views and for mm. faking their shit. And even now, there are a lot of rappers that are now having that main audience mainstream that the first few videos that people thought they blew up Weren't manufactured. Real. Yeah. And that's the first thing you learn as a videographer when working with labels, manufacturing views. You don't you may not be taught that specific how to do, but you learn the algorithm. You learn for example, I'll say it like this. Only because I just realized I have like I only have ten minutes left. So Sorry. Until part two. Until part two, I might actually have. To, I might come back next week and do Let's another get one. It. I'm not lying. Let's There's a lot it. I could talk about. Let's get it. I'm here. Um, bro. I'll pull this up. So, to kind of finish off on that, and I know I've been all over the topic, so my apologies to anybody trying to keep up and hearing me <laughs> go back and forth. Nah, don't apologize, bro. This is fire. Basically. Mm. Um, there's a there's a Greek rapper in Greece, top ten rapper in Greece. Um, I work with this rap group. I'm not going to say I co-manage them. I don't. I, yeah. I personally haven't invested in them. And that's the other thing I'm doing. As a videographer, I'm trying to manage my way of managing right. certain artists from what I've experienced. Not because I want to do personal benefit. I have an experiment that I'm trying to do. Can I blow up a fucking artist without really having to fucking like deal with the natural ways of stuff? So in, with this track I'm about to bring up, this is the most natural way. Everything was organic. All the views were organic. And then I'll bring up a video that, I'm not going to lie, everybody does it. Spent a bit of cash, bought a few views, bought a few likes and comments, yeah. customized comments. And I think I'll go more into that into the second video on consistency and tricking the algorithm. Because as much as I go on to my video stuff and I have to keep going on to about my video stuff, about my past, I, there's so much more I have to explain, so many more incidents shit that could fuck up on set. 
Um, but in this case, we, we did this video with this guy from Greece. He is now the top 10 rapper in Greece. He has millions of views, like millions of views. We caught him before his blow up. So I reached out to him. Again, I'm in the Greek scene. I wouldn't work in the trap scene because it didn't blow up in Greece until 2019. Okay. Trap in Greece, like the drill scene, like in New York, in England, started hitting Greece around that time. No one was really trying to do Chief Keef type stuff. And if they were, they were getting torn to shreds in that country. It was like, fuck you, you suck. Spit on them. Yeah. Fucking... We reach out to this artist. We get the track a year later, sadly. Because um, within that time of that, he blows up. He was at like 10,000 followers from the scene. Now he's almost at 100K. In Greece, it's a small it's a small country, 12 million people. So even a million views on a video. Crazy. Fucking crazy. And, and same thing in Greece. Sometimes like even to live in like a one-bedroom apartment here is like, what, 2,000, maybe, maybe 1,800 if you're lucky. In Greece, 300 euros. This guy's making 750 off that one YouTube video. And that was, that was his blow-up video that got maybe 500,000 views. We get, the, we get the feature. We go on tour with him in New York and Boston. Shoot the video in New York. Shoot the rest of the video in Toronto because the guys in Toronto are Greeks that move. Greek out, one's Greek Albanian. The rest are Greeks that move to Toronto. And, you know, they're doing, they're living their life out here. Not living their life, but they're, they're making, they're, they're hard workers. That's all I got to say. They're really fucking hard workers. We did this video and we uploaded it. We released it. We did everything natural, Spotify promotions. The artist posted it on his page. We got, right now, as of eight days, 35,000 views. I think 1.5K likes and 205 comments. I know those are all natural because the budget we spent just to get that in euros, mind you, was for promotions, 1,500 euros, which is close to it being 2,100 Canadian. Right. Not a lot of artists will pay 2,100 for promo out here. And the fact, and mind you, ours, ours is still going up. Our, when you look at the graph, you can see, like, you know, it's been a steady build. It's not yeah. like it spiked up and then spiked down a day or two after. So we did that. We were part of the whole video, like, uh, conception and all that. And that was all natural like you know and, and it, to be quite honest i believe in under a month it can, it's naturally gonna get a hundred thousand and because of how natural that is i even saw how many subscribers they got they got fifth they went from 15 subscribers to 325 from that one video that's crazy and and now we got more features like an even bigger artist features from greece so videos that we know that if they promote it's gonna touch a million naturally and then we go i go on certain toronto videos I see that they have 30,000 views, but they have 100 likes and 40 comments. That doesn't make sense. No. I see certain Shauna artists that maybe paid for a big feature, like someone got a feature, I don't know, consider that big, Chromaz. Pay for a feature with Chromaz touches 2 million. Okay, you have 2 million. Why do you have 45 likes on the video? Yeah. Like there's certain, like, and it's like. It's clear. It's very clear. Now that's a very clear example. But then again, I don't want to name drop and I'm not going to name drop in this specific case. Because there are certain artists right now that are popping that we can see that we know aren't at that talent level that they're now getting to that point because of the amount that they've done, but they got that early cloud, that early release. And you're looking at them, you're like, now you now you know they're getting legit views. You could tell because how is it that you're getting a million and like before you blow up and then now you've blown up, you've gotten certain big features from a bunch of different artists but your views aren't keeping up with how you were solo in the city. That doesn't make sense. Videographers know this. We won't discuss it like that. Like it's like none of our business, obviously. Right. But I'm gonna be the first one to say it. And not a lot of people go out and say it. 
this is a common practice in the music scene. Even in the video scene. I, will, I, wouldn't, I would lie if I would say I know so many directors that released their first feature film. Maybe, got, maybe they paid to get it uploaded on a big website. Maybe spend a few for, for blogs to post or, or CTV news, whatever. Maybe the actual trailer for that movie that they promoted has 5,000 views. And then they'll, they'll buy 50,000. All of a sudden, three days of the release. Now, the film community is fucking blind to this shit. They don't, they're not used to people buying views because who the fuck's going to buy views on a movie? people that want to show that they can they can garner the audience for a big budget so when you go to the investor to actually get a, a few hundred thousand as a budget they could see your line of music video work line of whatever work you've done and then they'll click on that one video i'll be like hey i shot a 40 minute uh short film and it's sitting at three hundred twenty-five thousand views and as long as it looks good enough obviously if the quality of it let's say you don't have those views if the quality of it makes sense they're gonna fucking throw the money at you they don't care. And then again, in the film community, they do not care. That's why YouTubers are getting feature films on Netflix, on Amazon, and they're doing bullshit cheap videos, 3 a.m. Mac Miller called me at 3 a.m. in the morning, even though he's dead, type videos. And they're getting little kids to watch it. They have maybe a few thousand subscribers. They buy their views. They go to that investor. The investor doesn't know that they buy their views. All he sees are the numbers. He sees that they're subscribers. Even if it's bought subscribers, bought commenters to them who gives a shit here's your fucking hundred fifty thousand dollar budget go shoot your short film wow and that's where the film world and the music world intertwine if you know how to finesse the music scene as a filmmaker you will learn how to finesse the fucking movie industry especially and that's what a lot of these a lot of these guys did as well back in the day like they would they found ways to finesse to get bigger audiences they did certain practices, which at the time were probably very risque, not approved of, but it worked. And in the end, if you, in the end, again, if, as long as you're not hurting anybody and you can do what you want, like in the end, I'm trying to shoot my first big war zombie epic. It takes place in ancient Greece. It's a zombie apocalypse type right. movie. We're, when I tell you we're having armies of Spartans fighting armies of zombies, I am not joking when I'm saying I'm trying to bring that to life. And... I also know because of certain practices outside of just like my YouTube work and me being incorporated, I've done feature film work for visual effects. I've done DOP lighting for certain films. So I know I can go into that meeting. I don't even have that script ready. I could pitch that whole fucking thing and I'll get what I need or get the ball rolling to get what I need. Yeah. Even, even while in the music industry, I've met so many certain producers and not even producers in the sense of music producers that make beats producers in the sense of they're willing to fund your project even if they're not even in the film scene they said fuck it i'll give you twenty thousand. i don't even care for a return just put my name on the movie so you'll meet people like that and and in the end that's if that's all they ask for and there's a obviously obvious agreement that's 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 there and very understanding deal with it there are ways around it to get where you want because in the end that five that let's say i may get three hundred thousand for that main short film at least 5,000 of that I could put to the side. I could put that in TIFF. I could put that in Cannes. All the big film festivals. And it will get approved. I could have Hollywood producers watching my movie. Maybe someone might come up to me, buy the rights for it for 500,000. Now, I paid everybody back. And I have 200,000 in the pocket. On top of that, maybe a few film distributors saw that after buying the film and said, let's have you work on another project. Maybe not like Avengers type shit. But we're willing to give you... For four months of work, $60,000. Fuck yeah. In a heartbeat. I've done part-time work for e-commerce that paid me 45000 a year. 
I've I've made and that's that was my first like legit job too. Like my work has mainly been video work, and even though that was related to video work, I know my end goal is film, and I know how to get there. And it's just now just about transitioning and taking what you learn and applying it to that that specific genre. And if I don't make it on feature films, I'll at least do the ones that I want to make and then continue shooting the weddings because it's the money bag season, and I will continue shooting weddings if that bag's there. Big facts. Mm-hmm. Bro, that was amazing. You definitely have to come back for a, a part two because we can go on for hours. Oh, I, I know. Mad shit I want to ask you, but we'll save that. Bro, I feel so bad. I've been talking this whole time. Bro, that's the point, man. You're <laughs> a dream guest, man. I, honestly, and I that, love that. That's the thing. And even I've seen you like interview Capital T Films. Shout, shout out, out to him. Shout out to Capital Two. I can, in each interview, I'll be shouting out a lot of videographers because we've all influenced each other. We all work within the same scene. And in the end, all of us have stories, whether you're outspoken or maybe more introvert, that you can bring to the public. And Facts. maybe you might be helping out the next person that wants to get into this venture or let them understand at least the different aspects and how different people tackle this industry. And I think, and I'm not going to say I'm a perfect videographer or a perfect filmmaker. I know the advanced stuff, the bare minimum stuff. I could talk about branding all fucking day. I don't even know how to brand myself at times. It's because I haven't put that energy into that. Right. But in the end... If you can take what you've learned and apply it and even hear different sides of the stuff and form your own way of doing it, there are multiple ways to success people. And essentially, like, doesn't matter what route you take, as long as you keep that energy high, fuck all the bullshit and just be true to yourself, true to your work, it's going to happen within patience and time. That's it. Huge facts. Huge facts. Vigilante facts. Dimitri the Shooter. Apostolos Films. Shout out. To the legend part two coming very soon i could i think i think so gang gang Gang, appreciate you my guy appreciate you too thank you for bringing me on and follow the homie too man follow like subscribe any songs coming out any videos coming out for you in the next like little while well we just had one uh drop today tara lord dash saw that that was hard i appreciate that we got tara lord dash um we have again this is greek fota GWA, so F O T A songs track. Just type down GWA or fly low and it will pop up. We got a lot more coming soon, people. And I know he's got a lot more coming soon. Follow and subscribe, comment. Give the homie some love, man. He's fucking killing it. 300.